As Brother Mike comes up here, uh, they didn't really ask me to say anything. But, um, you know, when you have a microphone, they can't really stop you. <clears throat> and I didn't get to I really, there was such a crowd, I didn't, I didn't have a chance to go by and see Brother Glenn and Miss Pat and your family. And uh, I just want to tell you, preach, I love you. And I want to tell you, it's been an honor to be able to stand up here on this stage with you every week for the last eight or ten months. And how much I appreciate uh, the trust that you put in me and allowed me to serve the Lord. And I want to tell you, I love you. I love your family and your daughters. Uh, I know what it's like to be a preacher's kid. And I know what sacrifice that it takes. And um, so I appreciate you giving up your daddy all them years so that these people could have a man of God that would come visit him in the hospital and in the nursing homes and all those places. We love you, Brother Glenn and Miss Pat. You don't need that. Well, I have been asked to uh, introduce some very special people. And uh, you, I was quite nervous this morning. I'm really nervous now. But uh, you never know. Sometimes you, until after you're gone, about the influence, the impact that you've made on so many people's lives. I'm thankful that these last few weeks, and especially today, that our pastor, his dear wife, and his family uh, maybe understands just a little about the impact that they've made. And then they've made an impact on the average working guy and they've also made an impact on those who have been given authority and power. And I'm able to present to you, and oh, we have three that I've been told to introduce. But first of all, I want to introduce to you, and I believe I'm, I'm, I'm doing this properly, is that uh, I'm able to induce to you former Senator May Beavers, and the reason why she's a former senator is because she is now running for governor of our great state. You got some folks there, sister. <laughs> Not trying to get political because we've never been known for that around here. But uh, And uh, coming up with her is now Senator Mark Pody. And so greet them as they come. Amen, I am excited to be here. I, you know, you can judge by the fruit, right? I, I want to tell you something about the man first. A few years ago, I read headlines in one of the local papers. And as soon as I read the headlines, I turned to my wife and I said, this is a man I want to meet somebody that's not afraid to stand up for our Lord Jesus Christ, for who, who he is and what he did. And, and after I read that, Pastor, you've seen me. We have been friends ever since. Thank you. 
thank you. I will tell you that this is a man that I've come to for advice. That I've come to for advice. But I want to tell you something more important than that. Because it's going to be a lasting thing. And that's the fruit. Last year, Senator Beavers and I, we ran a bill. This bill was wild and crazy. It said that marriage should be between a man and a woman. Who would have thought that, you know? So, so they wanted to meet with us, some, some individuals, and we agreed to, to the meeting. And within about a minute, within about a minute, we knew that this meeting was not going to go anywhere. Proverbs says you don't argue with a fool. All right? I mean, that, that's exactly. However, it didn't stop there. They chased us down the hall. They, they surrounded us. They almost kept us hostage in our office. I, I did my best to get away from them, went into the elevator, and in the elevator, there's nowhere to go, all right? I, I, I will tell you the names that they were saying in that elevator. I thought if this elevator would go up or down, it should go one way or another right now, okay? <laughs> Got to my office, and, and they wouldn't leave. They, and security's out there, but they, they literally wouldn't leave. And I tell you this because that whole week then, and for the following week, the phone calls, the emails, my assistant even called me and said, Mark, would you please just let me not answer the phone? The, the language was so bad. And it was particularly bad on, on, a, on a Thursday. And, and sometimes, you know, you're supposed to be this really strong Christian and nothing ever affects you. But, you know, we all have ups and downs, right? And so it was a Thursday. Church isn't in session anywhere. There's nowhere to go. And I'm coming back Thursday night. And Hillcrest is holding meetings that week. Now, I'm going to tell you, I'm thinking, God, have you ever had a pity party with God? All right? So I'm thinking, God, I, I'm doing exactly what you told me to do. And yet I'm getting beat up. And so I come here, and I'm thinking, and, and I'm wrestling with God. God, you know, I don't want to see anybody or talk to anybody. So I go way up there. And I got as far away from everybody as I could, but I knew I needed to be with Christians. And I'm up there praying. And you all had two magnificent services the same night, okay? Y'all, if you remember last, last year what was going on. Amen. And so I, I'm up there, and God's showing me a couple of things. He's showing me, you know, Mark, are you just like Jonah? He did what he was supposed to do. Then he goes up, and he's complaining. You know, he, remember this? He's, he's complained. And, and so God's showing me this. And then he shows me 2 Kings, chapter 6. And he says, you know, where, where the prophet's there, the servant's there. And the, the prophet says, open the eyes of my servant. I'm sitting up there. And God's talking to me in this building. And he's saying, you had a couple people calling you a couple names. And there's a thousand people in here right now. And after service, as I was walking, you all, the fruit, you all, people coming up to me saying, Mark, we're praying for you. Amen. Mark, we have your back. Mark, keep it up. Yeah. I want to tell you, Pastor, that was the fruit 
This church, you all took my shield, you polished it up. This church, because of what you taught them, they took my sword and you all sharpened my sword. This church helped me to go back in that battle. So when I'm leaving, when I'm leaving, God basically said, Pody, get out and go back to work doing what I called you to do. Stop being a wimp. Stop being self-indulgent. But it was this church that changed that. And you all seen it on the news. You all seen what was going on. I needed your fruit. I needed your people. I needed God's people. I needed a word from God. And I got it sitting up in that corner on a Thursday night. Pastor, thank you so very, very much. Thank you. And thank you, Lord Jesus Christ, for having him. The pastor of this church that's willing to stand. The fruit that he's done. The roots that he's put in this community, in this, this town, this county. The DNA that you've introduced him through, through Jesus Christ, is who we are today. Thank you. How can you follow that? <laughs> pastor, I just want to say I've always felt like you were my pastor. You know, one Sunday, Jerry and I tried to sneak into the back. Brother Denton always saw you, who always called you out. <laughs> but you know what? I appreciate a pastor that takes a stand because so many nowadays don't. Brother Denton's one that didn't mind calling it like it was. That's why he ended up in front of the Democrat. <laughs> but I, for one, appreciate everything you've given to this community, to this church, the stand you've taken. And I know you had a difficult decision to make in deciding to not retire, but to resign from this church. And I think it's difficult for everyone. But, you know, I was listening to that song a few minutes ago. You know, I think God gives us the strength to make those decisions. And then he will help us face every day. And I know he's going to give you so many jobs that you can't do them all. God bless you. Thank you for your work in this church, in this community, for your bold stand. And keep making them. Thank you. So, we have a proclamation from the state of Tennessee, and it says, whereas it's appropriate that the members of this legislative body should honor those who have performed with uncommon devotion and enthusiasm throughout their years of service, whereas Pastor Glenn Denton is one such esteemable person who has taken a much-deserved retirement after serving with faith and for 28 years as minister of Hillcrest Baptist Church in Lebanon, whereas having answered the divine call of the ministry for four decades ago, Glenn Denton began his career as a pastor of a small church near Huntsville, Alabama. He's also traveled to, across the country conducting revival work. And whereas on August 20th, 1989, Pastor Denton became the spiritual leader of Hillcrest Baptist Church in Lebanon, a position in which he continued to serve devotely until his retirement on December 31st, 2017. 
And whereas upon taking his role at Hillcrest Baptist Church, Pastor Denton had a number of goals, including having a congregation of 1,000 people per week, having 600 people attend Sunday school, and increasing the number of baptisms, all of which were accomplished before his retirement. And whereas Glenn Denton concluded his ministry with the love and support of his wife, Patricia Denton, his children, Sherry Ann Denton and Angie Messer, and his grandchildren, Bryce Messer and Sophie Messer, and whereas throughout his esteemable and devout career as a pastor, Glenn Denton has evinced the utmost spirituality, ability, and integrity, winning the unbridled respect and admiration of his congregation. And whereas the members of this legislative body are delighted to recognize this committed Christian leader for his service to his community and to the congregation of Hillcrest Baptist Church, now therefore I, Randy McNally, Speaker of the Senate of the 110th General Assembly of the State of Tennessee, at the request of and in conjunction with Senator Mark Pody, do hereby proclaim that we honor and commend Pastor Glenn Denton upon the occasion of his retirement and extend to him our best wishes for his every continued success. Proclaimed in Nashville, Tennessee on this the third day of January, 2018. And it's signed by the Speaker of the Senate, Randy McNally, Senator Mark Pody, and Mark was kind enough to let me sign on to it. <laughs> Not bad for old country boy from Giles County. <laughs> I don't know about you, but uh, I'm kind of proud of them. <laughs> Thank you, uh, Senator May Beavers and Mark Pody. And uh, Mark, is your wife here tonight by any chance? Okay, so you need to be praying for Mark's mother. Uh, please let her know that we miss seeing her and let her know that we appreciate her as well. Uh, May, I know you have your husband, and uh, I think uh, maybe y'all do not know her husband, uh, but uh, he uh, is here with us tonight. And uh, Senator uh, May, would you go ahead and introduce your husband to our congregation, please? Ain't nothing like a chauffeur, is it? <laughs> Second person that I'd like to introduce to you is our county mayor, Randall Hutto. And I've already told, uh, and I, I call him brother. Uh, I've been, I've, we've, uh, a couple, we've done a couple of funerals together, and I got to know him, and he, a little bit of his testimony. So, uh, but... Uh, we appreciate him being here tonight, and your dear wife is with you tonight. And before you come up, 
Uh, would you like to introduce your wife to our congregation, please? For the record, she's not my chauffeur. Uh, and, uh, she'd be quick to tell you that, too. It is an honor for me to be here tonight uh, with you, and uh, I would like to, first of all, commend uh, uh, Senator Beavers uh, as running for governor. And uh, it's an awesome thing to have uh, that opportunity here in our county, and we appreciate your service in the Senate so many years and uh, what you've done uh, on many different levels for us and thank you for that and uh, representative Pody which is now senator uh, we thank you as well and uh, you know every time I hear you speak uh, I, I know you speak from your heart and your passion is there and and it's there for the job that you do but it's also there for your Lord and and both of you uh, in the position you are uh, as I well know uh, there's times that we have to walk a fine line, but you always walk the line on the, the side of the Lord Jesus, and uh, I'm thankful for that. Amen. Brother again, Brother Glenn, I came not long ago and uh, a 25-year reunion and uh, for you here, and uh, I don't feel any different today in that the spirit that you and Pat have created here with the Lord is tremendous. It's different. I said that the last time, and I, I don't feel any different tonight. Now, for over 40-plus years, Brother Glenn, you've, uh, you've answered the call of the Lord. You don't want any credit for the contributions that you've made to the kingdom, and I know you'll give all your credit to your Lord. In 1977, Brother Glenn felt the call of the Lord on his life, and he answered. It's been an amazing journey ever since that time. And he had a choice. He didn't have to answer, but he did, and he sacrificed his life for one of the greatest causes uh, that we all have a chance to, to be a part of. Jeremiah 3:15 states, and I will give you shepherds, after my own heart, who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. And Brother Glenn has done that for all of you. To me, Brother Glenn, you've got the most important job and the best job that exists. With positive results, your job is the only job that will last for eternity. Brother Glenn only has one speed. It's full speed. Brother Glenn never did this job for the money. He did it with a passion in his heart like I've seen no other. His passion changed your lives. It changed my life because when I saw what he's able to do with your congregation, the few times that I was able to come here, it inspired me to know where does his passion come from? It comes from one man. 
That's the Lord Jesus Christ. He gives hope to those in need. He gave help to those that were sick. And he offered direction for those that had been off the path and didn't waver when you had to get them back in the path. Not only that, I saw him raise a family that I had the opportunity to be around. Some people let their career get in the way of their family. Brother Glenn didn't do that. He loved them just as much as he loved you. And in times that he had to choose, and those were tough, he always found a way to balance it. And those are things that I don't think that we know about. Most of us go to work every day and we go home, come home at four and we'll do whatever we need to do at the house. A pastor's on 24-7. But his family calls for him 24-7 as well. Brother Glenn balanced that. He didn't do it by himself. That lady sitting beside him is a big part of his ministry. Miss Pat, we appreciate you and what you've done to nurture every person that he's touched. Today, I think two things are important about Brother Glenn, and I'll shut up and sit down. I believe, number one, he's a man that developed a plan on the leadership of the Holy Spirit, and then he can follow it. His conviction to preach the truth and tell the truth, no matter the cost. He told people what was right, and it didn't matter what it cost him. Whether he ended up on the front of the Democrat or not, that didn't matter. <laughs> He's at least five, six, cowboy boots and all. <laughs> but when he spoke, his words became real. And they became larger in life. And the Holy Spirit would dwell up in him. I shook his hand a while ago and he brought tears to my eyes and I understand that that was from the Holy Spirit. For over 40 years, Brother Glenn, I know you have had a plan and you may have preached your last sermon here, but these people that are in here today will continue to preach your sermon for years to come and I appreciate that. So the first important thing I guess I remember about Brother Glenn was that the Holy Spirit was always all over him, no matter what he did. The second thing is that his love for people. Some pastors have a job. Some pastors preach. Brother Glenn, Brother Glenn loved people. He loved people outside these four walls here and outside those four walls at home. And he did that by ways of being a chaplain to people locked in a cell on Tennessee Baptist Convention floor, carrying people to the Holy Land. So when we read about something, we, we got to see what we read about. Carrying people on mission trips. But mainly, I saw Brother Glenn minister 
to the mission field that we all come to know, and that's Wilson County. That's the people outside of his flock that he cared about. The two things, Brother Glenn, I guess, that you've meant the most to me about is that I hope one day to have the Holy Spirit inside of me that I know dwells in you every day and every moment of your life. And two, to love people like you have. And I know this last little bit, people have come up and showed you that love. And that line in there a while ago showed you that love. But that love is real. And it's a special love. It don't happen to many of us. And I hope you cherish that. I will leave you with this scripture. The lessons uh, 5, 12 through 13. And now, friends, we ask that you honor those leaders who worked so hard for you, who have been given the responsibility of urging and guiding you along in your obedience. Overwhelm them with appreciation and love. I pray that you as a congregation won't spend a day without praying for Brother Glenn. Because even though he's not going to be preaching here, he'll be preaching to somebody somewhere. He'll preach until the Lord calls him home every day. And Brother Glenn, I just want you to know I'll be praying for you. And I want you to continue to touch lives like you have. They don't have to be here. And I hope we all learn from that. Thank you for your service. And thank you to the family for allowing him to serve Wilson County and touch the lives that he has over the past several years. Thank you, Brother Glenn. Thank you, brother. I don't know about you, but there for a while I was thinking, are they really talking about the Glenn Denton and I? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Lighten up. Thank you, Mayor. One thing before I introduce the, the last person I was asked to introduce, one thing that I've been rejoicing over is that I thank God that we do have those that are in political office that know our Jesus. So thank y'all. Thank you. So thank y'all for that and let you know that this congregation, if, as long as you're sticking with the word and your decision making, we're going to stick with you. But also, in the same vein as our pastor would tell you, but if you get out of the will of God... Brother Benny, I have known Brother Benny for a little while, but not quite as long as Brother Glenn has known him. They, to my understanding, are best of friends. When I first heard about Benny, I was just grateful that my pastor had a best friend. <laughs> so, but, uh, but Brother Benny... Uh, is uh, 
here with us tonight, and, and I'm, I'm calling in. Now, I'll just call him Brother Benny. I mean, we know Brother Benny. He's been here with us many times. And so, Brother Benny, where are you, brother? Okay. Come on up. Is your wife here? She is. Would you please let our congregation know Everybody your wife and introduce? Well, introduce her anyway. My wife. Brother Benny is a, a dear, dear friend, Brother Glenn. And um, I want you to know, brother, thank you for being a friend to our pastor. And thank you for, I know there was times when he was able to vent on you and share Amen. with you. So thank you for being, yeah, so, so you, you oh, go ahead, brother. Thank you. What a joy it is to be here tonight to celebrate with you this wonderful occasion. Now, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know Brother Glenn does every time that he preaches. Will you do something for me? Okay, will you stand up? Okay. Everybody stand now. We're going to do something that may be unusual, may not be, but I want you to do something. All right? If you're standing up straight, would you lean to the left? Lean to the left? All right. Now lean to the right. Lean to the left. Lean to the right. Lean to the left. Lean to the right. All right, you got it now? Thank you. You may be seated. I just wanted you to do what Brother Glenn does every Sunday that he preaches. To not be here and not be moved. <laughs> All right. So everybody has been moved tonight. Thank you. What a joy it is to be here. Uh, it is... Uh, Glenn is my friend. He's my buddy. He's my mentor. Uh, we, as pastors, don't have many people to look up to, especially in these days. All of our mentors have gone on. But Brother Glenn has been mine. Although he comes up a little short, <laughs> I still look up to him as my dearest friend. I met Brother Glenn face to face for the first time in 1982. Been a long time ago. And I'd heard of him up to then, but he was doing a revival for my dad at Pleasant Hill Baptist Church in Vantown, Tennessee. You know where Vantown is? Nobody knows where Vantown is. <laughs> I live in Alabama now, so don't hold that against me. But Vantown is about 12 miles southeast of Fayetteville, out in the country. I mean, country folks called us country. But I had just been dealing with a matter of surrendering to the ministry. And Brother Glenn was doing a revival. And I went over to the church on a Sunday afternoon that it was to begin. And it's going through the building as I lived right across the road from the church. And I, I kept hearing this noise. <gasps> and I finally figured out where it was. Brother Glenn was back in the corner of a little old bitty room about this size right here. I opened the door and he was on his face praying. Crying out to God. And God landed up on him during that week. And Brother Glenn preached with power. I'm reminded that Brother Glenn is the Apostle Peter to me. He may not always be sure what he's saying, but he knows it's from the Lord. As we tried to preach this morning in our services, uh, when the people that Peter had been preaching to in Acts chapter 2 asked him, what shall we do? What did Peter tell them? 
Repent, repent, repent. That's been the message of Glenn Denton throughout his ministry, is repent. You may not always agree with him, but I can assure you that was his message. He would witness to a signpost. I mean, he'd go out of his way to tell somebody about Jesus. Embarrass me sometimes. <laughs> I'm just... But he, he would always, in a, in a restaurant, when we would travel, we spent a lot of time together. I mean, over the years, we've been to, I guess, 25 or 26 Southern Baptist conventions together. And uh, always telling somebody about Jesus. And I love that. I mean, he was always on. He was always on. We would do things. But the main reason we went to conventions was to eat. Was that right? Yeah. <laughs> We was going into one, I believe it was in San Antonio, another preacher friend of ours was, was talking about where we was going to eat. He said, fellas, said, Joe won't never eat. All y'all do is hungry. And Glenn said, that's what we're here for, <laughs> to keep him getting hungry. But, but uh, Brother Glenn has been, a, been down through these years, and he allowed me to go to the Holy Land with him. I, I'll never forget that, Glenn. It's, it's made an impression upon me. I, I, I think that I'm a better preacher because of that. I'm walking where Jesus walked and where the Apostle Paul and all those great men of God walked. Thank you for that. And I didn't realize I was being in the presence of these dignitaries tonight and, and then there's these senators and the mayor. But, but Glenn, the mayor, thank you. It's so good to have y'all out. Y'all have blessed me and the mayor and senators. What a joy it is. Thank you for standing for Jesus. What we need today, our country is in sad shape, and I'm glad to see that Tennessee is doing something. And I live across the line, just, just barely over in Alabama, but um, we need people who stand for the Lord. So thank you. Now I know that Glenn has, has told you this many times. I guess the last time was at the Smokies, we had the great experience. <laughs> You remember that well, don't you? We made an impression on some women on the golf course. <laughs> After having eaten that Snickers bar and it about 102 in the shade, and I had a sudden movement. <laughs> I climbed the hill because everywhere in the Smokies is either uphill or downhill, so I had to climb up the hill. <laughs> it was a whole lot harder coming down than it was going up. <laughs> But I tell you what, I lost control coming down the hill, and here come these two ladies in a golf cart around the bed. <laughs> Glenn was looking, see me, he looked at them. He said their eyes was as big as <laughs> I mean it. I, I was uh, 65, no, not 65, 55 year old, in pretty good shape. But I tell you what, my feet couldn't keep up with my head. And, uh, <laughs> and I like to, <laughs> I, I got to the. <laughs> I got to the bottom of the hill on the glen. I don't care who you are. That's funny. <laughs> so, Lord bless God. Thank you. Thank you for, for that. But, um, Brother Glenn, thank you. I love you. I love you, even though you make fun of me. And Brother Glenn has taught me how to wear a hat and boots. And I'll just say tonight, I probably wouldn't have the boots that I have had it not been for the generosity of Brother Glenn. But the Glenn has given me boots. I've got one pair of boots that I've had for 27 years that you gave me, and they're still good boots. Thank you for that. Now, now Brother Glenn give you anything. Some things ain't his, he'll give you, but uh, he'll give you. But uh, he, is, uh, he is a great work. But let me say this, and I'll hush. 
Brother Glenn, thank you. I love you. As it was for the Apostle John, your greatest work may yet be to be it may be when he was exiled on the Isle of Patmos, God came to him and gave him what he'd never seen before. With your experience and where you've been, the things that you've saw, don't give up, don't give out, don't give in. Just keep on keeping on for the cause of Jesus. Because we ain't giving up, we ain't getting out. There's no way out but up. And that's Jesus. Thank you. Miss Pat and Sharon and Angie, I could tell you stories about them, but I better not. Uh, they used to stay at our house when they was at, at their little church in our neighbor. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for, for standing with Dad. He needed you. You was the light of his life. You, he may not have let you know that, but you was. He talked about you. And you brought a smile to his face, and, and Miss Pat was always there. She was laughing about everything, but she was there. <laughs> and uh, she heard my wife. I can tell when she and my wife are on the phone because my wife starts cackling. I wonder how many eggs she's laid. I know who she's there, but um, she is... Uh, and she's been a, a helpmate. So thank y'all. Thank y'all to, to these uh, fine boys that they're hooked up with. May God bless you. And again, thank you. Thank you, church, for what you've done. You've, you've made Glenn's life. Now, as I affectionately call him, and he's the name that I'm going to be referred to in the book that he's going to write is Willie. <laughs> so if you see Willie in there, that's, that's going to be me, okay? All right, thank you. I love you. God bless you. Thank you, dear brother. I think I'm doing this right, but this is when we take our offering, do we not? Okay, so our ushers are making their... <laughs> Y'all thought just because we was having a different type of service that you're going to get away from this, didn't you? No, 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 no. We're going to take our evening offering. And one of the things that we have been taught, and we have been taught well, the tithe belongs to the Lord. And uh, we take it up. Every time we meet, and sometimes we'll take it up when we're not even meeting. I mean, you know, that's just the way we're supposed to do, but that's because we've been taught obedience. And so we're going to pray, and I'm not mistaken, that Brother Daryl Holt is going to do something special for us. And talking about boots, oh my gosh, when Daryl was with us and my first go around, I thought, that dude's got more boots than any man alive. And they were always colorful boots. And they matched his uniform or suit, you know. He, oh, you know, he'd go around and he'd always make sure you saw his boots. And, and then he would blow that trumpet. The first time I heard the trumpet, I wasn't really paying attention, and I thought, we're fixing to go up. <laughs> so, but uh, Daryl has been, he calls him his little buddy, and he is a dear friend of mine, and I'm glad he's with us tonight. After our offering, brother, you're going to come and do something for us, and then uh, y'all will no longer see me tonight, 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 tonight. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. Lord, we thank you that we've come to your house tonight. And Lord, we have been going down memory lane. We've been reminded of how good you've been to us. We've been reminded of what a pastor we've had for these 28 years. And Lord, as we heard this morning, 
It's good to visit the past, but you haven't called us to stay in the past. And Lord, I pray that this will be a church that will continue on for the cause of Jesus Christ. And Lord, as we take this offering, I ask that you would use it, multiply it, that your kingdom's work can be further enhanced. And Lord, we thank you for what we're going to witness uh, later on. Again, Lord, we just want to say thank you. You've been so good to us. You've blessed us beyond measure. But Lord, I'm looking that there's even more blessings to come. And we're going to go ahead and thank you in advance for that. We pray all of this in the most wonderful name. The name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Hello, Hillcrest. Doc, best 15 years of my life, brother, spent with you, serving with you. I love you, sir. Pat, I love you. When I made my start for heaven, I could only find one way, the road that led me through the mountains and the valleys, the road not many folks take. Tracks. 
just up ahead this just might be this road's end and it's a long winding road keep on leading me up ahead I see a sign and it's pointing straight ahead to victory And it's old for years, it's borne the traveler's load. Someday this road will turn to gold, and for some, this road's already turned to gold. But for me, someday. This road will turn to gold. Sing this with me, church. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory to tell the old, old story. Of my Jesus and his love. Sing it with me. I love to tell the story. It will be my theme in glory. Just to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love god bless you hillcrest god bless you glendon i love you brother thank you brother daryl it always got to be somebody come up here and pour water on the fire doesn't it? we got a fire going tonight but i want to bring something to light um mark pody just got elected senator I'm not going to ask you how many voted, but Mark, what percentage voted in that election? Nine percent. That means about 50 of us voted. What do you think? Mark, I confess I didn't vote. I went to the early voting place and I was going to vote. I was on my way to Nashville and I was supposed to go to Tucker's Crossroads and vote and by the time I got back, I forgot it. But I am a senior citizen, so just uh, keep that in mind. Uh, May, when you're running for governor, remember that. Come to this church. These guys got to wake up and get into action in our elections. Or people, we don't know who'll be in there. If we're not going to support our nominees, then uh, why should we complain when whoever happens to be there. Brother Nathan, come on up here before I really put the fire out.
Oh, Brother Mark, my wife Tammy and I did vote. We went to early voting and <laughs> we did make it. I'm not sure that I'm qualified to be here with these dignitaries and preachers tonight, but Brother Glenn, we love you and have loved you for a long time. Tammy and I got here uh, about eight months before Brother Glenn came to church here at Hillcrest, and he's been our pastor for our entire adult life. Uh, we've raised two children here under his leadership, and we thank you for that. When Jim asked me to speak, about a thousand things went through my mind that I could say, and then he said, you've got two minutes, so... I'm probably not going to make it in two minutes, but uh, it's hard to limit 28 years to just a few minutes. Last week, as Brother Glenn was sharing some of the stories from our past, Tammy punched me in the ribs and said, is that true? Did that really happen? Do you remember that? I said, absolutely. I remember every one of those. I can vouch for you. Those stories were true, and there's a thousand more of those that nobody really knows about or not very many. In those early days, the church, of course, was a lot smaller than it is today, and we were much younger in those days. Brother Glenn taught the young married Sunday school class when he first came, and Tammy and I were there, and just a very few of us in that class, and I remember some of those first parties that we had with skeet shooting at Tom and Barbara's house, and the golf outing that we took up to um, Fall Creek Falls and some of those fun times. I remember Brother Glenn and Miss Pat and Tammy and myself taking a group of youth in that old van that had the snow tires, if I remember right, up to East Tennessee for a retreat one weekend. Uh, that was a lot of fun. That was an interesting trip, to say the least. For several years during the Sunday school Christmas parties, Brother Glenn was the designated auctioneer we did auctions to raise money for the Lottie Moon Christmas offering, and Brother Glenn took care of that. When Angie first came, she was about nine or ten years old, and she and I tried to outplay each other on the original Nintendo Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> she always won. We've watched Angie and Sharon grow up and be used by God. That's a testimony to Brother Glenn's leadership in his home as well as here at the church. Brother Glenn, I wanted to share just a passage of scripture with you that to me pictures your life as the pastor here at Hillcrest. 1 Peter 5 verses 2 through 4 says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. To, to alliterate that in three points, just the way you taught me. <laughs> Number one, you fed the flock. For these 28 years, you've preached with expository preaching. You've taught us the word of God. You've evangelized, you've taught, you've strengthened, you've rebuked, and you've led Hillcrest faithfully. 
I'd say you've fed us well. We've had full course meals. Not only did you feed the flock, but you fulfilled your responsibility. You took the oversight of this flock. You took it seriously and you protected us from outside threats. Most of which the church body at large doesn't know anything about because you protected us from those. You monitored everything. <laughs> and you did that to make sure that no false doctrine crept its way in. I remember being amazed as a young man thinking, how can he manage so many different things and keep them straight in his head? And he never forgot anything. And that's the truth. It was obvious that God gave you a supernatural gift to be able to do that. And to oversee so much the way that you did it with such confidence. Verse 2 there talks about the responsibility that you fulfilled and you did it willingly. You weren't forced to do it. There's no constraint in your life except the Holy Spirit's leading. I've never seen you pursue dishonest gain. That passage talks about that. And I can say as a deacon and a trustee of the church, to you church and all the meetings that I've been in for these 28 years, I've never seen Brother Glenn try to take anything dishonestly. He always recognized that this is where God wanted him to serve. And you were willing to serve here. And verse 3 talks about the fact that you've worked side by side with the members of Hillcrest. Not like you were better than anybody else. I know we've been joking about the parking place lately. <laughs> but over these years, you've always worked side by side. You set an example. You were faithful in attendance. You showed us how to live by your giving. You showed us how to work by your working. And you took your responsibility here as pastor seriously. It's been obvious. And thirdly, not only have you fed the flock, fulfilled your responsibility, but there's a future reward for you. For your faithful service that you've done, God's got something better planned. While we're honoring you tonight, this honor pales in comparison for what God's got laid up for you. In closing, I think of Moses at the end of his time as leader of Israel. I've read Deuteronomy 34.6 many times over the course of my life, and I've asked myself the question, did Moses regret his choice to leave Egypt and chase those children of Israel around in the wilderness for 40 years? And in Deuteronomy 34, when he was in the presence of God and God ushered him personally into heaven, covered him with his hand, I'm convinced Moses had no regrets. He could have stayed in Egypt, had a life of wealth and ease, but he chose to be where God put him. 
And I've watched you for 28 years be where God put you. You could have taken your gift, gone somewhere else, and made more money than we've been able to pay you. But you stayed where God put you. For your faithful service and for choosing to stay where God placed you for these 28 years, I hope like Moses you can look back saying no regrets. And I believe that knowing your heart. That's exactly what you'd say. And finally, I would say tonight, like a proud parent who's well-trained their children and they're ready to release them into adulthood, you can look with pride on this church. Mayor Hutto spoke of your last sermon that you preached here. I hope you preach again here, not as senior pastor, but I hope you can preach again here. But I hope you preach that sermon with pride, knowing that you have done your job. You've trained this church. You've been faithful to preach, to teach, and to reach according to God's will and his call in your life. I love you. My wife loves you. Our family loves you. And we cherish your friendship, the influence that you've had in our lives for these many years. I wouldn't have changed anything. Thank you, Brother Nathan. Just to set the record straight, I didn't tell him two minutes, I told him five minutes. And I said, on these rear monitors, all these music people are aware of it. They see the monitors. On that monitor would be a green light, a yellow light, and a red light. When the light goes red, the mic goes dead. <laughs> Just remember that. Bridget, come on up. Randall Hutto, I forgot to say anything about you, but if I remember right, our chairman of the deacons got his last spanking in school from you. nice. <laughs> well, God bless him. I have no idea why I'm up here in front of all these dignitaries. I am Miss, Miss Pat, to quote you, I'm about to throw up. <laughs> I was just asked to, to speak to a few words about Miss Pat. So I've got notes in front of me and these are for, and you gave me five minutes. I thought you could shoot short change, Brother Nathan. But um, I was asked to say a few things about Miss Pat, and Brother Glenn's in there too. But I got notes here to keep me on track and also to keep me hopefully from crying. Um, I've got a couple of stories I wanted to share with you. Back in September of 2002, our ladies had gone on a mission, um, had not gone on a mission trip. We'd gone on to a ladies' retreat in Birmingham. And I was just not happy in my spirit. I was struggling with my salvation. I didn't know it was that at the time. Miss Pat prayed with me during the invitation and... Uh, I knew I wouldn't make it. Um, the next morning, that Sunday morning, she called me and she said six words to me that changed my life forever. She said, Sister, how you doing this morning? I wasn't doing too good that morning. I didn't know what was wrong, but I knew something was wrong. I had been, I had been in this church faithfully serving, but I was broken. I had a head knowledge but I didn't have a heart knowledge. That morning I got through Sunday school teaching the four and five-year-olds, which is the class I took over for you when you started the women's program. 
And um, um, I, poor Miss Mary Fiveash was in there with me, and I know she thought I was mad at her because I was just not myself. <laughs> and uh, I made it through the Sunday school, came on to, to, to choir, and I sat right here in the second, second seat, first row. And Miss Pat sat behind me. And that morning, Brother Darrell was our music leader at the time, and he'd had some buddies to come in. The quartet had come in that he had sang with before they came in and sang. Well, I want y'all to know, I could not make it to the service. Right there in front of 1,200 people, I looked back at Miss Pad and I said, I can't wait no more. And she went, she looked at me and gawking like this, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> and I took off down there, and I ran down here, and I about drug Brother Glenn off the pulpit. I said, I'm lost. And I, if I don't have Jesus, I'm going to die, go to hell. And Brother Glenn prayed with me and gave me my life first, Romans 8 1. There is no, therefore no more condemnation to those as Jesus Christ is Lord. And that changed my life forever. I've never been the same. And I want to say thank you to you, Miss Pat. Because you took the time to call me that morning. I don't know why you called me. I don't know if God, it was if discernment or what. But you took the time to call me. And I would like to think that God wouldn't give up on me. That eventually I would have got it. That I was almost, almost saved. But I, it's almost scary when I think back. That if she hadn't have called me, what could have happened? Because the, God, the devil, the devil had me thinking I was saved and I wasn't. That's scary. And we saw it, and I, it's not credit to me, but we saw a flood of people after that. I remember doing a speaking of the thing that we had, a women's get-together. We had, do you know that you know that you know? And Miss Pat asked me to speak that night, and that was my sermon, so to speak, my saying. And we saw, we saw a flood of people saved that thought they were saved. And I don't take the credit for that. I give God the glory for that. Okay, the second story, we got to lighten this up a little bit. Whew, goodness, Rudolph here. Okay, after a few years after that, Miss Pat and I had an opportunity to go out to, to a women's, do a women's retreat out in Wyoming. Okay, but getting there was quite an adventure. Okay, the second leg of our flight was canceled. We got stuck that Friday night um, in Montana. You know, I say the closest I ever got to the Mall of America was in, in Montana, was riding a bus after midnight that Delta had put us up at a hotel. So we get to the hotel and, and the next, we check in there, or whatever. The next morning we get back to the airport and um, we get, you know, we get on our flight, we catch the second leg, and we get to Wyoming. And I have seldom seen Miss Pat rattled. And I think I know her pretty good. I can tell sometimes when she's churning down here, but up here she's just as smiling. Well, we got to, we got to our destination. We got to the airport there in Wyoming. And we got there, but our luggage didn't. This was Saturday morning now. We had a women's treat Saturday afternoon and that, that morning, midday. We get, in the, we get into the rental car, and Miss Pat has a meltdown, a meltdown. She's holding on to that steering wheel with everything she's got, not because we didn't have any clothes, not because we didn't have any makeup, 
nothing. She was freaking out because she did not have her curling iron. <laughs> and I mean, she was screaming with everything. She goes, I got to have my curling iron. I got to have my curling iron. And I'm over there in the passenger seat with my 35 millimeters. That tells you how old it was. And I am clicking pictures of her. And I got a picture of you. I'm going to look that thing up. Her hair's all over her head. We ain't got a speck of makeup on. We're freaking out. And I'm laughing out of control because that's the way I get through is laughter. But the story doesn't end there, and it has somewhat of a happy ending. She gets on the phone with Brother Glenn. Brother Glenn says, don't worry about it. Go to the mall. Get whatever you need. It's going to be fine. There wasn't no mall where we were. <laughs> we were in this little one-horse town in the middle of Wyoming in the middle of snow, and there, all they had was Kmart. We go into this Kmart store. <laughs> we're going in there, Brother Glenn says, get whatever you need. We go in there, and we get our outfits, and they are hideous. <laughs> got nothing against Kmart. I shop there all the time, but these outfits are hideous. And Miss Pat is still positive. Well, I don't think they're that bad. I said, oh, yes, they are. I've got on this blue cardigan, funky-looking sweater, and, and I got on this brown corduroy skirt that goes out like this, and I got on, I got on army boots. And I said, I was as hideous. You dressed up better than me always. I was hideous. And, and we're, just, we're just dying and laughing. I mean, it's just such a funny story. And, you know, it ended up being a great trip. We had precious memories from that trip. I could, tell, I could go on and on and on for days just from that trip. I've got so many wonderful memories of both of y'all and, and more to come. But we had a great opportunity. We got to share Christ with those ladies. We got to love on them with music and word. And it was an amazing trip. And our luggage did eventually show up two hours before we were fixing to go home. <laughs> it any better. Listen, Miss Pat, Brother Glenn, I love you guys. I love you dearly with all I have. Um, I wish nothing but the best for you. And, and I love these girls too. I remember being in Oklahoma, going to Oklahoma, you were 14, going on a mission trip out there with that kitty cat blanket or pillow, whatever you had. But I love you guys. And I love you too, sucker. As a private joke between us, me and her. But, um, you know, Miss Pat's always saying that if you, if, when you get on the train, God's going to give you a ticket. Well, he's going to give you all the ticket. You're still on the train. You're just, you're just switching tracks. That's all. You're just switching tracks. And there was one more thing before I get down here from up here. I, I've got a little gift for you, Miss Pat. And it came from Kmart. <laughs> I don't want you to ever, ever, ever be without one of these. I'm going to give you an extra one. I love you. <laughs> Boy, Brother Mike had it right. We had the dignity and the dignitaries all at first, and then the nuts came out. <laughs> Todd Harris, where are you? You know, we're talking about, we, we talk about our preacher. You know, Brother Glennie, pastor, teacher, preacher, motivator, and then we forget that Provoking. How, what word do you use for that to go with it? I don't know, but he's been known to provoke us to a few things. I remember he came to visit me when I first came here, and I was out on the farm. And you know how Brother Glenn comes in, and he's so nice, and Miss Pat was so nice, and he picked us clean. He knew more about me when he left than I knew about me. And he did it so smooth, just so smooth. So about three weeks later, here we are in church, and 
We were new in the church. We'd gone to many other churches around, and we came here by accident. We were going to another church in town. Timing was off. We walked into Hillcrest, and it was like, we're home. And I've been there, here, ever since, 20 years. But we came in here, and he knew I had taught Sunday school in Florida. I had taught young marriage. I'd taught high school. I'd done this. I'd done that. Three weeks after I get back, he's walking down the hall. He said, Jim. I said, yes, sir. He said, don't you think it's time you quit just ambling down the hallway, being like you're a part of the paint and hiding all the time and get to work for the Lord? Uh, okay. <laughs> he said, uh, and it was back here where Miss Reba's office is. At that time, Royce Burnett was teaching seventh and eighth grade boys. And he said, Jim, right there. That's where I want you. Yes, sir. Be right there. And I walked in that room with Royce Burnett that day, and I've been teaching. Well, I taught seventh and eighth grade boys forever. And I didn't like it at first. I was almost a Jonah. I was obeying on the outside, but on the inside, I didn't want it. But it turned out seventh and eighth grade boys is one of the most rewarding things I have dealt with and as long as I'm teaching. They still don't tell you they know everything. <laughs> the rest of the story later. <laughs> well, well, I want you to know this is the first time I've ever spoke, and you're going to be able to tell. And I got an appropriate introduction when I, we brought the nuts out. So, <laughs> so all I know to do is what I've seen and stuff, and the only reason I'm up here is him. So... Uh, uh, first off, I uh, wrote this down. I'm going to speak it. Courtney, Corey, and uh, uh, Debbie will be at the, out there in the foyer with a table. Copies will be $5. <laughs> $2 for 12 <laughs> so, But anyway, I'm going to read this because I, I can't stand here and face everybody like all these professional people. But anyway, Debbie, Courtney, and I have been here at Hillcrest for about 26 years. And when we got here, there's probably less than 200 people here, and maybe 50 on a good Wednesday. We were immediately drawn by Brother Glenn's preaching. The only preaching that was close to this was uh, Brother Bob Kelly and Franklin Road, we felt like, who somebody who really stuck with the word. Uh, as it turns out, me and Brother Glenn... We've been, he's like a brother to me, and there's, we've had a lot in common. Uh, we're both children of Korean War Purple Heart recipients. Uh, we're both baseball fans from the 60s, him, the Yankees, me, the Tigers. And uh, both big Ronald Reagan fans. And we both were physically removed from the power of positive thinking class. <laughs> <laughs> When I, when, I, when I was a child in church, if a preacher had said my name from the pulpit, I could plan on suffering the same fate that all those cats in Brother Ginn's sermons in the past has, has faced. So, but, but being called out from Brother Glenn to, in the pulpit, especially early on, I actually considered it an honor because it... Uh, it was kind of like hearing Patricia Ann, Sharon Renee, Angie Carroll, 
And he liked making fun of Todd Harris, and that was good with me because I knew he, how close we were, and he wasn't going to hurt my feelings. And, and for the most part, there was a whole lot to make fun of. <laughs> so, it, so anyway, so it made me and my family feel like part of his family, and we always have. One thing I wanted to say about Brother Grin is he's a winner. Whether it's running face first into an outfield fence at a men's softball fa field and gashing his face all to pieces, or, or me and him coaching the women's softball t team, or playing Rook, well, not so much Rook. I mean, he, he runs too hot at that. But when it comes come to soul-winning soul field, his passion, that's where his passion was. From his weekly sermons to revivals with the best pastors and preachers that could be brought around, to Heaven's Gates, to uh, the best VB cl VBS class ever anywhere. Uh, the preacher constantly has always talked about this demon-possessed red light that they have over here at the end of Hartsville Pike. And I got to, got to thinking about uh, that. Uh, could you imagine what it's going? What it? He, we, he talks about having to wait for that crazy light. But could you imagine what it's going to be like uh, being in line behind him after Jesus gives the crowns? And you waited. And you had to wait till he got done for you to give him your puny crowns. Because that's going to be a long wait, and that, that light ain't nothing. <laughs> and I'd also like to mention that uh, about Miss Pat. While the time she's been here, she's never seeked attention for herself. She's been a perfect example of a Titus II woman. Because of her ministry, uh, my marriage and many others have been blessed and edified. Lastly, preacher, just to throw in a CCR reference, you've been a big fan. When you get ready to write your memoirs, I thought I'd maybe give you a title. Bad Moon Rising to Amazing Grace. <laughs> we love you, my, my whole family loves you. And we're Thank you, Brother Todd. Now back to my story that you interrupted. I was talking about teaching 7th and 8th grade boys and how rewarding it was. And uh, Jared, where are you at? Make your way on up. But Jared was in my 7th and 8th grade class. Jake Lanham just on and on and on. So many and so many that have surrendered to the ministry and surrendered to God's work. And, and it's just such a joy. You don't see it when they're 7th and 8th graders. You wonder, are they even in the room sometimes? Uh, never had a behavior problem. We had fun in our class. Never had a behavior problem in any of my classes. But boy, I wondered if they were listening. Of course, Brother Glenn, do you ever wonder if we listen? Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, Brother Jared was one of, my, one of my class members. Then after he got out of school, and he came back as my assistant, and he was there 
And after a while, it came to the point where the student became the better teacher. And now he's in Bible college and he surrendered to preach and, and it's just, there is no way to express the joy when you've been a part of a young man when, when you see the changes. And as Brother Glenn, when uh, Steve Vaught also worked with him a lot, it gets to where you can spot them long before they realize that God's calling them. And you just know it. And you, and you start, Jared, I'll tell you, me and Brother Glenn prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed that he wouldn't wreck his life before he got married. <laughs> we just did. So, Brother Jared, come on. Thank you. <clears throat> well, I was going to tell you all that I was always Brother Glenn's problem child, but I guess that's been told for me. I guess my biggest question is, how come all the dignitaries didn't get a five-minute time limit? They always show up on the good times. We got yelled at him every Sunday. I mean, so, uh, but, no, I, I, I know for a fact I have a different story than uh, anybody else that is here. Um, when I look back over my life, I was born in 1989. Brother Glenn came to this church in 1989. Uh, we started coming here when I was about 12 years old. Um, just so many things that, uh, you just see when you look back over and you see why God placed you and God put you here and God put that man in your life. And um, anybody that knows me knows that I, I, I can be hard-headed, I can be stubborn, and I needed a hard-headed, stubborn man to, to be my pastor. Um, anybody, I, I actually showed um, to one of my teachers my, my first sermon that I preached here and he looked over at me and he said do you know you just compared your pastor to Ezekiel and that he's a hard-headed stubborn man and I said yeah and he thinks that's a compliment <laughs> so uh, but brother Glenn I just want to thank you for for taking the time and taking the patience uh, for me um, Jake, I think, is after me, and y'all see Jake. He's, he's the pretty boy of us. He, he, he looks the preacher part. I'm the one that needed the molding. I'm the one that needed the, the, the cracks over the head. I'm the one that needed the beatings. Uh, and Brother Glenn was faithful and, and has always been faithful to, to knock me down a, a peg or two. Um, I, I told my congregation that I preached to this morning um, that I was coming here to honor the man who is my hero. Uh, the boys at school, they have, uh, they have Adrian Rogers, they have um, whatever the next big, I don't even, they name off people, I don't even know who they are. I don't care who they are, because you're my hero. At the end of my service, when, when I'm done, and they look back over my ministry, 40 years, however long God gives me, for me to be even mentioned in the same sentence as you as a pastor would be an honor to me. Because that's where I place you in my life. And I just want to share this with you because I think this is a side of you that we haven't really talked about. Uh, but, but something that I noticed really on early in your ministry and it really stuck out to me because it's who I am as a man. It's who my dad is and who he taught me to be. But you always said that if you will go to the people that nobody else wants, God will bring you the people that everybody else envies. And so when I think about that and I think about that that was your heart. I remember that I was one of those nobodies. I remember that I was a 12-year-old boy who took 14 years to finally understand that he needed a Savior, that fought you tooth, hair, and nail for 
what God wanted to do in my life, what God was doing in your life and in your ministry. And so I just want to share this scripture with you because I think it really uh, shows your heart and, and what you meant to me. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 2, we have there that John is in prison. And it says this, it says, Now when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Verse 4 says, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again these things which you do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear, the dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. What verse 5 tells me right there is that when John had his questions, which my soul for over 14 years kept questioning, God, do you really care about the, the average, average everyday man? Do, does it really matter? Does my life have a meaning? Do I have something that's even worth it in this world? God said, I'm going to send you to Hillcrest Baptist Church because at Hillcrest Baptist Church, there's a man that's going to show you that all those nobodies I'm willing to heal. And I can make into a somebody. And so, Brother Glenn, I just want to let you know here today, out of all the people, the governors, the senators, out of all the people here today, you're the most important man that God has used to form me into the man that I am today. And I want you to know that as long as I draw breath, your legacy will live on. I will tell my children, I will tell my grandchildren about the man that God used to change my life. And I just want to thank you for that. Jared, I'm just here to tell you, he used more adjectives than that back when you were in high school. <laughs> but Jared has been a joy to, to watch him grow and watch him grow in the Lord and the ministry and just, just uh, he's a real blessing to, to this church. And uh, I'm going to ask Lisa, come on up, Lisa Sorrells, and I'm uh, going to have her come up now. Sister Pat, I love you. Miss Pat, a.k.a. Sister Pat, P. Denton, mentor, mentor, teacher, and my friend, our friend. Ten years ago, when my mom passed away, this lady, she came to the funeral home, and she rubbed my feet. And that's all. She just sat there and rubbed my feet. I always saw Jesus in her actions, always going above and beyond for others. Like the Bible says, Matthew 5, 47, what more would you do than others? When I first came to Hillcrest, I was a mess. I felt so unloved, so dirty. But Miss Pat... <laughs> She showed me support and encouragement, and she always called me love. She always called all those girls loved, and that's one thing she made me feel here, is loved. She taught me it is better to help someone who might be using you than not to help someone 
that God may have sent you. She would always quote, sin will take you further than you want to go. It'll keep you longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. And she knew that had been my life. And I was ashamed of my past. But this lady and God, and the God I saw in this lady, has made such a difference in how I live my life and how I raise my family and how I can love. Because you have to be loved before you can love. You have to love you before you can love somebody else. And lady, you've done that in my life. And another quote she always says, where you go determines who you'll meet. Who you meet determines what you think. What you think determines what you do. And what you do determines what you become. And being under you and Brother Glenn's teaching, it has been an honor and a blessing. And you have taught me how to live more like God and let other people see God in me. And I want to say something that Miss Kim Hulls forgot this morning to all the new ladies that's going to be working in the women's ministry. As Sister Pat has always said, what happens at the women's retreat stays at the women's retreat. God bless you, sister. Thank you, Lisa. While you're telling stories about P. Denton, I've got to tell you, one year, Sally and I were in Florida, called Brother Glenton up and say, hey, why don't you fly down to Tampa and we'll show you around the state while we're down here. When an hour later, they called back and said, okay, we'll be on the plane in the morning. They get down there, well, what would you like to do? Well, we'd like to eat some Cuban food and we'd like to see alligators. We'd like to do this, we'd like to do that, and we want an airboat ride. Okay, just happened to have a friend that's got an airboat handy. So we get it set up and we go out in the airboat and I figured we'd go for a 30 minute ride or something. It's about 40 degrees and you know Brother Glenn loves cold weather. So here, here we are, we go out there and we get in the airboat, figure we're just going on a short ride because the man needs to work, I thought. We get in the airboat and we ride and we ride and we ride and we ride and Brother Glenn's freezing to death, I mean he's freezing to death. And I'm freezing to death. And then pretty soon, Brother Glenn gets in my lap, you know, try to stay warm. <laughs> and we're still freezing to death. And then this guy's got, I don't know, uh, whatever, 300 horsepower airboat or whatever. He said, you want to go ride on dry land? Okay. So he takes up across an island on dry land, four of the five of us in the boat. And we just, a lot of power. And it just went on. And we stopped for a little bit. And we say, how far are we away? And he said, oh, it's going to be a couple hours before we get back. I said, the ladies need the bathroom. About that time, Miss Pat says, hey, we're bush broke. Don't worry about it. And away we went. <laughs> That's our pastor's wife. <laughs> Brother Jake Lanham's going to come up and talk to us. Now, Jake is the youngest of these preacher boys that, that's preaching, and he's in a church. Let me tell you the kind of church he's got. He wanted to come so bad tonight, and he didn't know how he was going to work it out. So he calls him up this morning and says, hey, we're having church at 5 o'clock tonight instead of 6, so he could get here. Now, hang on and watch him, and Benny, don't worry about it. He'll move. I mean, he can't stand still. Well, <laughs> uh, Brother Travis 
came to me before this started and said, by the way, you know you just got the pulpit mic, right? And I said, what do you, what do you mean? He said, that means you can't move like you want to move. And I said, oh, I can move like I want to move. Don't you worry about that. Um, but I believe me and uh, Brother Jared surrendered at the same conference, if I am not mistaken. Um, but I have, as a pastor, and I've only been a pastor about a year now, but if there's one thing that I can take with me and that I embed in everything I do in my ministry, it's faithfulness. And Brother Glenn showed me what faithfulness was. And as I was thinking on, because well, of course everyone's going to compare him to somebody in the Bible, you know, Peter and, and uh, the Apostle Paul. And I, I was thinking who in the Bible was so faithful in a time when nobody else was. And man, my mind went directly to the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 5, verse 10, or chapter 6, verse 10, it says, Now when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as he did aforetime. Now I'm sure since you, most of you go to Hillcrest, you know this story. What happened was there was a decree made that no one could make supplication to anyone but Darius. And Daniel had already been praying and being faithful in his prayer. And he didn't let that decree stop him from being faithful. And let me just tell you something about Brother Glenn. There's been times to where they said you can't preach on sin. You shouldn't preach on homosexuality. You shouldn't preach on, on living with each other before marriage. You shouldn't preach on all these things that the other churches and other churches in the, in this, in, in, in the world says, hey, don't preach on it because you'll lose members. Don't, don't, don't go there because you're going to offend somebody. Don't, don't mention that because somebody's going to send you an email. I, I don't think I've given out my email. I've learned that from what you said. <laughs> they can't email me. No. <laughs> But anyway, but all that saying, you know, he, see, Brother Glenn stood in this pulpit that I have an honor and privilege to stand behind now. And he said, I'm going to be faithful to the word of God. I'm going to be faithful to the call upon my life that Jesus gave me. But every single person I guarantee in this room can say that, that someone was sent to them that was faithful to God and made an impact in their life. Well, I'll just go ahead and tell you that Brother Glenn was one of those in my life. As a matter of fact, I can count on one hand how many spiritual role models I really have. I'm not talking about all those frou-frou preachers like I like to call it. I'm not talking about those preachers that look all good. I, I guess I'm a pretty boy. I guess I don't know about all that. <laughs> but I'm not talking about those, those just weak, jelly-legged preachers. I'm talking about people that actually preach from the Word of God. Yeah. Well, Brother Glenn, again, he was, he was that for me. You know, I, I was two years old. And my parents started coming to this church, Hillcrest. And I was in a nursery and everything and grew up. And, and I remember, and I was talking to my mom. And, and actually, it's funny. I got to say something real quick. I told her about a story. I said, I remember when Brother Glenn came and visited us. And I was really young. And I, we had this little cow thing that I would, you know, rock back and forth on. I busted my lip. She said, Jacob, I wouldn't use that story. They, those were Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. 
I was like, well, I won't use that story, but I guess I just did. But anyway, I do remember, you know, I, my mom was telling me that they started coming here, and at first it was just my mom coming, and uh, she would bring me, of course, and, and uh, she said that Brother Glenn visited her, her and my dad, multiple times. And she said that it wasn't a matter of months that my mom and dad walked down hand in hand in the Ebenezer Center and gave their life to Christ under the preaching of Brother Glenn. What that did is, because Brother Glenn was faithful, and because my parents saw that faithfulness, saw that passion, and saw that drive, they become faithful. Then I grew up being a hill Christian. <laughs> I was a purebred hill Christian, y'all. But I grew up in this church. I, I, I grew up and I, I went through the Cubbies and the Sparkies and the Iwanas. Didn't lose an Iwana games. I, that, did y'all hear Lee Burnett just then? <laughs> nope. <laughs> but I grew, up, I grew up in this church under his preaching, and I can remember sitting right up there, as far as I could get back, I'd sit up there. It was with Zach Ward and Justin Huggins. And we would be playing games. We'd be playing crossword puzzles, that little game where you make a little dot diagram and you do one line, you make a box, you put your initial in it. Does anyone know that game? Okay, good. Well, I played that all throughout the message because I knew that if I listened, I'd be getting convicted. I didn't want to get convicted. As a matter of fact, I didn't want to give up my sin. I wasn't, I didn't do drugs or drink alcohol, but I, I knew that I was a sinner in need of a Savior. Well, I would even, uh, we got to the invitation time. And this, I'm you, you think I'm just talking about a one-time thing. I'm talking about every Sunday, Sunday night and Wednesday night. It's no joke. And man, he, he'd start the invitation. I don't know if, if, if any of you are guests, you have not heard an invitation like you've heard a Brother Glenn invitation. Let me just tell you something. If you in sin, you having a hard time. Your heart's going on like this. You're sitting there. <laughs> and I'd be sitting right up there, and I, I would put my head down, and I would say, Lord, I know what I need to do. Brother Glenn's making it quite clear. But uh, Justin, you want to play a game again? <laughs> and I would try to distract myself because I knew if I listened to that preacher, the Holy Spirit would start pricking my heart. Well, I have you know, it was right over here that I gave my life to Christ. It was right over here that I surrendered to preach. It was in this same very church that I, that I met my beautiful wife. It was right here that I was ordained to preach the gospel ministry. And it was all because somebody was faithful. Brother Glenn, I appreciate that. You know, I tell you, and, and I know I'm being all serious and stuff. But I preach, a, uh, I preach up at Cedar Grove Baptist Church. You told me not to proselyte, didn't you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 2045 Cedar Grove Road. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding, please. I still love you, brother. <laughs> but no, I preach the way I preach. And I don't fear the world. And I don't fear the peer pressure that comes from the world because I was under his preaching for 20 years. And I thank you for that, brother. And by the way, I wear my boots too. <laughs> but I'll tell you right now, and, I, and I, I didn't write anything down really, but I will say this. Brother Glenn was faithful, and it impacted my life. And I love, I love the fact that what can happen here is you may be going to another path of ministry,
But as long as we're faithful, like you were faithful, like Christ was faithful, we'll continue to grow. And we'll continue to share the gospel. And brother, I tell you, I don't have many funny stories with you because I'll be honest with you. When I was younger, you scared me. (laughs) You scared me to death. I ain't never in my life been so scared. I remember one time we were at, it was a picnic out there. You know, we had the little, the egg toss and everything. And uh, man, this mic, man, can I just take this off? And we had the, the picnic and uh, I, I won a Bible. And I was, I remember going up and he said, hey, if you, if, if I draw your name or if you won this, whatever it was, then you come up and I have a prize for you. I have a Bible for you. So I'm sitting there and I'm like, man, I just won, so I must be getting something. You know what I'm saying? I was very competitive back then. So I, you know, but anyway, I was sitting there and I was going, he called my name. He said, Jacob Lanham, Jacob Lanham. I was like, oh, why can't he just throw it to me? (laughs) Pass it on. So I start, he says Jacob Lanham in like a stern voice, and I start running. I'm like, okay, I'm coming. And, man, he gave me that Bible, and I don't know what it was. And I know, I know I'm not trying to be all, you know, idolaters or anything like that, but I, I just, something inside of me wanted to be like, can you sign my Bible? <laughs> but, brother, really, dude, I, I, I thank you for everything that you've done for me uh, in my ministry. Um, people at Cedar Grove, they still... They actually kind of get mad at me sometimes because they'll look at me in a deacon's meeting and they'll say, you know you're not Brother Glenn, right? And I'll be like, I know, I know. But you've, you've impacted my life. You've impacted my family's life. And, uh, and I love you for it. And I thank you for being faithful. Thank you, Jake. Now, for those of you that don't know, Jake talked about his beautiful wife because her father is our chairman of the deacons. Just, just so we got that straight. Um, when I think of my pastor, I, I think of the Apostle Paul. I think a little bit gnarly, you know. But when I think of his heart, and if, he, if there's one thing that stands out it's Romans 12 1 the apostle Paul said I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice holy acceptable unto God which is your reasonable service nothing out of the nothing big reasonable and he goes on and he talks about separation and don't be conformed and so forth but he begged us begged us to serve God. Glenn Denton has begged us for years to serve God. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. That's what we're supposed to do. We're not supposed to get saved and sit. We are supposed to get saved and serve. Randy, come on up. Before I get started, I want to thank everybody that had a part in putting this together. I, mean, but I know y'all worked hard and spent a lot of time this week. 
and we appreciate it. Well, thank you. I'm sorry. Forgive me a minute. I met Brother Glenn about 28 years ago, but it wasn't here. He came to my house, and I was 16, 17 year old, and he asked me to come to church. I told him I didn't have time to come to church. That I hunted and worked, and my weekends, my Sundays, that I hunted. And it took, I don't know, 18, 20 years. A lot of praying from him, my wife, my family, my mother. And I received Christ over there in his office one day. Yeah. And ever since then, I don't know what, if God, I know what it was, but I've had a bond with him. I've traveled many a miles with him. We went to revivals. I'm going to go to Israel with him. Things that I thought that I would never, never be able to do in my life. And that, you know, was be with Brother Glenn, go to revivals with him and go across places with him. And this, I don't mean for us to be at the last I don't tell you what kind of pastor he was. <laughs> I've stopped at night on the side of the road and watched him get out and puke just to come to see one of y'all sick or family sick. He'd get back in and say, let's go. We've been to revivals. He'd get done. He'd fall in a floorboard. I'm sorry, brother. <laughs> But you mean a lot to me. You want a pastor to me. And you're a friend. And God's put me, I know it's not a column, but put me in position in this church y'all have, and I thank God for it. And it's been for a time, I think, to have a friend as I do in Brother Glenn. Brother, I love you. And I'll be here for you. And I'm going to tell you one. Jim told me not to tell it, but I'm going to tell it. <laughs> we was in Somerset one night. Me and Brother Glenn at the radio that he broadcast on. And he had preached and we left there. And he said, uh, he said, we got to find a store. This is a Kmart thing, too. <laughs> he said, I've got to find some hand sanitizer. So well, there's a Kmart, so I pull over at Kmart, and we go in there, and y'all know, he kind of tight just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> we was looking there and looking. He said, I ain't giving this much for this hand sanitizer. <laughs> he said, it's stuff too high. I ain't giving. We stood there, and we stood there. And I looked, I took one off the shelf, opened it up. I said, let me see your hand. <laughs> he opened it, I squirted it. I said, let's go. <laughs> Kids, y'all didn't hear that. <laughs> well, Brother Glenn, I, I enjoy it, and I'm, I'm looking forward to more of it. Because I know 
I know with all my heart that God's not done with you. The revivals, the people still falling at the altars, crying, begging of your preaching in here. And at this time, Brother Glenn, would you and your family come to the altar? Come down here, please. And deacons, could y'all be making your way, please? I know there's others that want to come down, and while you're doing that, I'll just say just a, just a word. Uh, God led us to Hillcrest 14 or so years ago, me and my wife and one little baby at the time. We actually came about this time of the year, Brother Glenn. We had just had a Super Bowl where there's uh, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson, strategic wardrobe malfunction. <laughs> We visited this church the Sunday after that Super Bowl, and you took about five minutes to address fathers that might have skipped church for the Super Bowl and exposed their children to that trash. And I knew that night there's something special about this man. Uh, over 14 years, I've, I've, uh, little did I know how special you would become to me and the Potter girls. Uh, Miss Pat, I've never heard of somebody rubbing somebody's feet, but that's just like you. Uh, there's a Miss Pat rule in my house. It's not so unless Miss Pat says it. I'm kidding, but there's a little truth in that. It can be on the news, but it doesn't matter unless Miss Pat says it. But uh, we love you. Uh, and a note of appreciation, and I realized I couldn't do it. Didn't have words. But the Lord gave me this, and I want to share it with you. My memory goes back 28 years when you came. Hillcrest now compared to then is not the same. There were less than 100 people. One small building bore the steeple. Financially, we were just about broke. We could have been wiped out with a stroke. But God had another plan. Brother Glenn Denton was the man. You were young and very energetic back then. Your passion for lost souls revived us again. The duties were massive, but you didn't shirk. Pastor, Sunday school teacher, youth leader, seniors leaders were all your work. God's word was preached in boldness and truth. No compromise, just the Bible was heard under our roof. 
God revealed to you a great church vision. Total obedience to God's plan was your mission. I cannot count all the time you made hospital visits for my husband and me. Are your prayers that you prayed for healing to be? Each week for 28 years, I've had spiritual refueling. It kept me going even when cancer was looming. You preached my husband's funeral December the 11th, 2010. Checking in to Comfort Inn from 2 Corinthians 1, 3, 4, 3 through 4 was your message then. That message gave me great hope. It was what helped me face a new journey and cope. Your retirement concludes some chapters we may not understand. But remember, the book is not finished in God's plan. I believe God has something very special for you. He can truly thank you in a way that I cannot do. Let's pray, if you will. Lord, I, uh, I thank you every day for my wife and my, my children. Thank you for my church and my church family. And God, you know, you know, in a lot of ways, my church family is closer than my own family. But God, I thank you every day for my pastor. And what he means to me. I've seen him fight when nobody would fight. I've seen him stand when nobody would stand. I keep him, I see him keep going when everybody would have quit. And God, you know there's times I just wanted to stop. I, I just pray that you just come get us. But I, I was encouraged by our pastor and the work that he did and his dedication to your ministry. And God, I know him. He's probably uncomfortable with all the attention but God he deserves it and we don't lift him up higher than he needs to be Lord we honor you but we thank you for using this man in the ministry at this church and what he's done in my life and the church members here tonight and even in this community and God I don't know what tomorrow holds we we resist change we don't like change but sometimes Sometimes your will is, is different than our own. And it pushes us out and pushes us home. And it causes us to, to say goodbye. But God, if there's one thing our pastor has taught us over the years, and that is God is good. We may not know the future, but you do know the future. And the future is not in his hands. The future is in your hands, Lord. And God, I pray that you'll be with Brother Glenn, be with Miss Pat, continue to bless them. And, and God, I don't, know, I don't know who you're bringing in here, but God, I pray that you're preparing their hearts right now to love this church and to love this community. God, thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>